WTBR station. Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. You are tuned to Community Speaks here on your community radio station, WMNF. My name is Patro Mavili, your host for this public affairs program intended to take your telephone calls and your emails and just hold a conversation with you every week as we've extended an hour, extra hour of public affairs just for you. This all comes on a day that we're watching a storm Hurricane Idalia take its aim at Tampa, but we also, I just want to share with you, there are some concerns about the gas that you might have to go and get. It might be contaminated with diesel. We'll talk a little bit about that, and also, this is the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Equality back in 19. 19- 63, that was this huge march where Dr. Reverend, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King gave the I Have a Dream speech, but he also talked about the promissory note coming due, and we're here to collect on that check, and we're going to listen to one of the most fiery speakers at this year's march, this uh, commemorative march that took place over the weekend, Reverend Jamal Bryant, and uh, we'll probably learn a little bit more about him. There's a lot going on that we could probably get to and talk about. And uh, we know that also over the weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, there was a racist killing. So, you know, the fact that we had to have a commemorative march on Washington to talk about a time when segregation, racist segregation was still the law of the land that a lot of these struggles we are going to have to refight. And I know over the next two years, we're going to be commemorating the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. And uh, if you're racist, you're probably going to have a hard time over the next two years as we talk about those issues and uh, how we're still dealing with voter suppression, especially here in the state of Florida. And the idea that such racist language has emboldened the racist to commit acts of violence. This was a guy in Jacksonville who just randomly targeted black people at a store when they were just going about their everyday lives. And we have a governor who has been using racist rhetoric to get cheap political points from his racist base. And a lot of people who are part of that base were part of the insurrection in Florida, I'm sorry, in Washington, D.C., trying to overturn the results of an election and carry out a coup for the last president who didn't even win by the popular vote. Uh, He won by the Electoral College. So the idea of voter suppression, gerrymandering neighborhoods and a neighborhood that was part of Jacksonville was gerrymandered and uh, black representative people in those that particular district, no longer, those black people were no longer able to choose from a candidate of their choice and were forced to live with the new district that was drawn for them by a governor who was 
trying to uh, basically suppress their vote, diminish their power. And he was successful in doing that. But the fact of the matter is we're still fighting old battles and we're going to have to stay vigilant and continue to fight them and recognize that there are people who are emboldened in this violence and they have to be forced to face it. This governor trying to give remarks on the violence in Jacksonville, the racist killings in Jacksonville was booed when he tried to give some comments on that. And it's apropos because people are tired. People are tired of the rhetoric and we're tired of having to be in reaction, uh, in reactionary mode to it. And these are, this is a, a very critical moment, a very critical time in history and especially in this state as we are continuing to have to live with this, this political rhetoric that is emboldening this violence. So we look at Jacksonville and by some measure, Jacksonville, Florida, was making strides to emerge from its racist past. And then three black people were fatally shot by a young white man as the city prepared for their annual commemoration of what was known as Axe Handle Saturday. That was a, when a mob of white people descended on the city's downtown six, three years ago and used baseball bats and axe handles to, to club peaceful black demonstrators who were protesting segregation at a lunch counter. And some longtime residents say racism has once again become normalized because of the nation's divisive politics. And they say that the deadly shooting over this past weekend may be another example, and I could not agree more. But uh, what happened in Jacksonville, uh, one resident who's 79-year-old said could have happened anywhere except it did happen in Jacksonville, and the uh, historical commemoration of the March on Washington, and given this political climate and the idea that violence has historically been used to suppress black vote, we are on high alert right now. Uh, the Jacksonville sheriff said notes that were left by this 21-year-old shooter, whose name is Ryan, made it clear he was targeting black residents of a predominantly African-American neighborhood in Jacksonville. And Palmer used, his name is Ryan Palmer. He used an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle and a Glock handgun to kill his victims. And both weapons were bought legally earlier this year, despite his involuntary commitment for a 72-hour mental health examination in 2017. So, we give a lot of lip service, especially those on the right, to keep from talking about guns. They talk about mental health, but there's nothing done about people who should be flagged. Uh, he fatally shot Angela Michelle Carr, who's 52 years old, as she sat in her car and chased A.J. Laguerre, who was 19, through a Dollar General store before shooting him. And the third victim, whose name was Gerald Gallion, who was 29 years old, was killed as he entered the store. Then the shooter, his cowardly self, killed himself. And he sent statements to federal law enforcement and the media suggesting his attack marked the fifth anniversary of a shooting at a video game tournament in Jacksonville that killed two people. And that assailant also killed himself. And 
as it's being reported, somewhat puzzling is the apparent lack of racial motive in the shooting five years ago. So while he was using that as uh, his commemorative, his commemoration for shooting, this probably sounds like just an excuse. But Jacksonville is home to nearly one million people. About a third of them are black and just south. It's just south of Florida's border with Georgia. And the city is still coming to terms with, as I said, Southern heritage while trying to become more cosmopolitan in the shadows of the state's other major cities, including Miami, celebrated for its nightlife and its beaches in Orlando, home to the world-renowned Disney World and Universal Theme Park. But in recent years, the um, the there were signs Jacksonville was changing, and it might still be, but the shootings like this just reminds us that the more things change, the more they seem to stay the same. This shooter was only 21 years old. Uh, it, but Jacksonville elected its first black mayor in 2011. And a couple of years later, there was another watershed moment when a coalition of activists succeeded in persuading the school board after years of failed attempts to rename a high school honoring Nathan Bedford Forrest, a Confederate general, and the first grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And since then, the city has continued to sever ties with the racist past by removing a Confederate soldier's uh, statue, which was atop a memorial in the park, which was bordering City Hall. And the decision was finalized by Jacksonville's former mayor, a Republican, who once served as the statewide, the Republican statewide chair. Um, It's uh, been a topsy-turvy call, but... A Democratic candidate running for governor, Andrew Gillum, won the county but narrowly lost statewide to DeSantis. But in 2020, Joe Biden carried Duval County thanks to heavy turnout from black voters. And that was the first time a Democratic presidential candidate has won the county since Jimmy Carter in 1976. And so, you know, there's probably a lot of back and forth racial back and forth going on in the living rooms in Jacksonville because of all of the changes that are taking place. And this young man was probably hearing a lot of violent rhetoric in his home, in his neighborhood, or among his peers, if he had anybody that he was close to, uh, reinforcing this, uh, this violence and with his mental health situation, he acted on it. Uh, but the governor, when he, Wanted to give some comments about this. Nobody really wanted to hear it from him. People are pretty tired of his uh, rhetoric. And they, in no uncertain terms, let him know. Uh, Maybe we take a listen to what happened when this governor was booed as we take time to wait for your telephone calls. I want you to weigh in. I want to hear from you, of course, about all that is happening and uh, you can also write me at DJ at WNF. 200 people attended an evening vigil a block from the Dollar General store where authorities say a 21-year-old white man wearing a mask and brandishing a weapon with a swastika fatally shot three black people in a predominantly black neighborhood. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who's running for the GOP nomination for president, attended the vigil and was booed. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is here. We're going to ask the government here to come down and turn the mic. 
DeSantis loosened gun laws in Florida and has antagonized civil rights leaders by deriding wokeness. DeSantis told the community that what the gunman did is totally unacceptable in the state of Florida. He said, we're not going to let people be targeted based on their race. I'm Donna Water. Right now you're tuned to Community Speaks and uh, as I said, this is also the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Equality. And we talked about the situation in Jacksonville and we're talking about the situation of violence, racist violence that still occurs today. It feels as though we're continuing to have to fight these battles. And uh, just as Dr. Martin Luther King came to the scene uh, after the, well, during the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955, but he really uh, became renowned, uh, very well renowned as an orator for the civil rights movement, a leader in the civil rights movement at the March on Washington in 1963. Well, here in 2023, a pastor by the name of Jamal Bryant also took the stage. And uh, before we listen to him, I just want to give you a little bit of a background, maybe get to know Jamal Bryant a little more. He's lives in Georgia. He took over a major uh, what we call a mega church, even though he says the era of the mega church may be coming to an end. And just to give some perspective on this young 30 year old, uh, I guess 33 year old pastor in, in Georgia. And he wants to embrace the idea of, of growing and farming and teaching the farming of cannabis in order to get more people to come to his church. He said he's helping them to enhance the ecosystem. Uh, this is the kind of conversation that he wants to have. He said, if the guy, if black boys in Bankhead say they are growing weed at the church, where do I join? And he thinks that this will be one way of, of helping people economically and get them more interested in coming to his church. Just take a listen to what Jamal Bryant told one radio station about this. I'm mindful that I'm not after Christians. I'm after people who don't go to church. And a lot of churches are just recycling people from other churches. That's not who I'm after. I'm looking for people that smell like weed. I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm at a place, Rashawn. His, no, 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 really, is New Birth is the largest land-owning black church in America. Wow. And so my position to my deacons is why aren't we not raising cannabis? I'll be able to bring in black males. They're able to do it legally. Mm. I'm teaching them farming. Oh my God. I'm helping them to enhance the ecosystem. Uh, th th this is the kind of conversation. So if the guy, black boy in Bankhead said, they growing weed at the church, where do I join? Yes. I don't need no pamphlet for him. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. He coming in. He coming in. That, that's the group that I'm going after. Mm. Well, Georgia is the Department of Health says marijuana laws are tougher than most states, so it's uncertain how Bryant will pull off such a venture. Georgia's law is much more limited than some other states' medical marijuana laws. And for example, it does not legalize the sale or possession of marijuana in leaf form, and it does not authorize the production of or sale of food products infused with low THC oil 
or the ingestion of low THC oil through vapor. It does not authorize physicians to prescribe marijuana for medical use, and it is intended solely to protect qualified persons from criminal prosecution for possessing low THC oil for medicinal purposes. But this was the pastor that took the stage at the this weekend's March on Washington to commemorate the 60th anniversary, which is today, August 28th. 1963 was the day that it took place, but over the weekend, there was a, a, a commemorative march. And Jamal Bryant, Reverend Jamal Bryant, took the stage and he referred to quite a few things that we're dealing with today. Let's take a listen here on Community Speaks. As you go to your telephones, give us a call to weigh in on this, these subjects and also write us, dj at wnf.org. Here's Jamal Bryant speaking at the commemorative March on Washington over this past weekend. My name is Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant. I come from the state of Georgia, the only state in America that has sent a Jew and a black man to Senate. I come to you today from the state of Georgia where black women have set the standard that everybody is accountable even if you are the former president of the United States of America. When we look at the past 60 years, we have to do measurement as to how far we have come. How about this week in Fulton County when it is that uh, the former president said that he weighed 215 pounds. It became evident that America doesn't know how heavy the burden has been for us to handle oppression in this system. How heavy it is for teachers to have to buy their own school supplies. How heavy it is for writers who cannot write checks for their own rent. How heavy it is for you to get a scholarship to run a football but cannot get an academic scholarship because of your mind. Ladies and gentlemen, I have come 60 years later uh, because we need to serve indictments uh, to those who have been adversarial to the advancement of our people. Uh, we need to give an indictment to Mr. DeSantis, who has operated in diabolical, satanic form if he thinks that he can throw off that slavery was nothing more than trade school. He needs to be served an indictment if he is trying to ban books. What he doesn't know is too late because Negroes already know how to read. Uh, we have already read the bluest eyes. We've already read their eyes are watching God. We've already read before the Mayflower. We have already read what it means to be black in America. There needs to be an indictment against Governor Abbott in Texas who has unwillingly put migrant workers on buses and have separated children from their parents and still has not rejoined them. If he wants to put somebody on a bus, it should be Ted Cruz, who has been putting black and brown people under the bus. We came today to serve an indictment on Clarence Thomas, who has filled the seat of Thurgood Marshall, but is not worthy of tying Thurgood Marshall's shoes. And his wife is an unindicted co-conspirator on what took place on January 6th. I came to serve an indictment. An indictment when it is that $25 billion is getting ready to go to the Ukraine, but nobody is saying anything about what's happening in Somalia. 
Somalia and Niger and in the Congo. There needs to be an indictment. An indictment on record companies that have tried to sweep away conscious hip-hop and do away with the voices of KRS-One and those who elevated us to understand that we were kings and queens and not glorify poverty and not promote addiction and marginalize misogyny. Something is wrong. There is an indictment. An indictment on churches that are silent but they speak in tongues but don't speak truth to power. An indictment to churches that only give out communion but do not feed those who are living in food deserts. An indictment of those who have multi-million dollar buildings but close a blind eye to those who do not have a standard of living. There has got to be an indictment. And ladies and gentlemen, 60 years later, we understand that Dr. King was right, that this is the urgency of now. And if there is an indictment, then there's got to be fingerprints. And I want to say to the black and brown community, put your fingerprints all over deeds. Put your fingerprints all over degrees. Put your fingerprints on LLCs. Put your fingerprints on corporate ladder. Put your fingerprints on the necks of those who believe that white supremacy is palatable. We are not the generation who's going to sit down and be quiet. If you don't believe me, take a one-way trip to the dock of Montgomery, Alabama, and there you'll find out that no weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. Ladies and gentlemen, 60 years later, we still are not free, but we know how to last. We lasted through the Middle Passage. We lasted through Jim Crow. We lasted through mandatory minimums. We lasted through the prison pipeline. We lasted through Donald Trump. And still we are here. And 60 years later, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors who could not stop at hotels, who could not eat in restaurants. But we've come now not just from Morehouse and Hampton and Howard. We've come now from Johns Hopkins and Yale and Princeton, understanding the words of Langston Hughes. You may write me down in history, but I too sing America. They ask me to laugh when company comes, but I just smile and know that I am America. They didn't think that we were going to make it, but God did. We started at the bottom and we're still here. 60 years later, I don't want to be here marching. I want to be celebrating as our black daughters are the governors of Georgia and the vice president of the United States. Still, we rise. We will not bow down to exploitation. What you gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand. stand. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. I just can't tolerate racism. I just can't tolerate injustice. I just won't tolerate it. Explo 
you gonna do? I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand. We will not obey racism. We will not obey injustice. We will not obey exploitation. You are tuned to Community Speaks. That was the a song by Sweet Honey and the Rock. I'm going to stand. And you just heard a speech at the March on Washington, the commemorative march over this past weekend, a speech by Reverend Jamal Bryant. And we're going to take a, a short break here on Community Speaks, but I do want to hear from you. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. Give us a call. You can help WMNF now and into the future by donating gifts of stock, real estate, retirement assets, or a life insurance policy. It's easy to leave a legacy of love. Just call Ian at 813-238-8001 or go to WMNF.org slash planned giving to get started today. Hey, this is Randy Wynn from The Morning Show on Tuesdays. WMNF is turning 44, and you're invited to the party. Come to our birthday bash Friday, September 29th at the Floridian in downtown St. Pete, featuring the fan favorite from New Orleans, the Iguanas. Oh, yeah, Isabel. The Iguanas have highlighted many of WMNF's parties in the past, and now they are coming back. Experience New Orleans Latin sounds, cake, dancing, and to say hello to your WMNF friends. Boom, 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 the Iguanas playing the Floridian for WMNF's 44th birthday bash. Tickets on sale now at WMNF.org. We're back here on Community Speaks here at WMF Radio 88.5 FM. Looking for your telephone calls. And we're talking about racism, the racist killing in Jacksonville, the uh, March on Washington to commemorate the 60th year of the big March on Washington back in 1963. And we just heard a speech from this past weekend at the march by Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant calling for indictments of all of these people who have been spreading this uh, this racist ideology and really promoting violence. Uh, Pope Francis has blasted the quote-unquote backwardness of some conservatives in the United States Catholic Church. He says they have replaced faith with ideology and that a correct understanding of Catholic doctrine allows for change over time, and that's one church that did change or had to change over time. But many conservatives have blasted Francis's emphasis instead on social justice issues, such as the environment and the poor, while also branding as heretical his opening to letting divorced and civilly remarried Catholics receive sacraments. But during a meeting, a Portuguese Jesuit told Francis that he had suffered during a recent sabbatical year in the United States because he came across many Catholics, including some U.S. bishops, who criticized Francis's 10-year papacy. And 
the 86-year-old Argentine acknowledged his point, saying there was a very strong organized reactionary attitude in the United States church, which he called backward. And he warned that such an attitude leads to a climate of closure, which was erroneous. And uh, he wanted to remind these people that backwardness is useless. And they must understand that there's a correct evolution in the understanding of questions of faith and morals that allows for doctrine to progress and consolidate over time. Francis has previously acknowledged the criticism directed at him from some U.S. conservatives once quipping that it was an honor to be attacked by Americans. But that's why it is important that, you know, the church continues to progress and, and support progress, uh, political progress in this country, which is why I was glad to hear a pastor who seems so progressive and he he's young and uh, he's on top of these issues and, uh, you know, the black church have always had to uh, be at the forefront of progress, even though there's a lot of backwardness in this country, especially coming out of the church. I want to hear from you, 813-239-9663. And uh, as we say, we're also here in Tampa Bay uh, looking out at the skies for the storm, Hurricane Adelia, and uh, the possibility that if you're going to be filling up with gas, be careful. The gas tanks, because of human error, may have diesel in it, and it could really mess up your car. I'm going to go to the telephone lines, 813-239-9663 is a number called. This is Community Speaks. I'm your host, Patro Mobili, and I'm going to go and talk on the phone in Lakeland to Simon, who has something to say about racism. Go ahead, Simon. You're on the air. Hi, good afternoon, Mobili. The topic of the juror is uh, racism. Um, I, I believe you're a pantheist in, in beliefs. Are you a Darwinist? Do you believe in evolution? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, that's what you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. The reason no, that's I, science, yeah. Okay, that's fine. The reason I say that is I don't know if this gentleman, the young man, apparently you're trying to insinuate guilty by association, a horrific crime by what I view as an individual incident. Uh, You're interjecting racism. But let me just say I don't know if his manifesto, if he was a Darwinist. Uh, During the Columbine shooting, Eric Harris, wore a t-shirt called Natural Selection. And if you really read the book of Charles Darwin, the entire, the entire title is On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Charles Darwin's book was very influential by social Darwinists in Germany as a predicate for the Holocaust. My (laughs) question, since you are a believer in this book, do you think this book should be banned, or are you part of racism in the, it would be a black-favored race, but that's the title, he favored racism. No, I'm. I don't know if I I support Darwin. Darwin is, is going through, but I'm not sure if I even understand your question. And uh, the idea that this guy in Jacksonville was not a racist when he targeted black people 
going about their lives, it sounds like you're you're making excuses once again for a racist. And you want to you want to call me one, I guess. I have said this was a horrific individual incident. Mm -hmm. Not guilty of association. You seem to inject the word racism as a collective of the white race. And your point? Or, Or you interject the belief of people who support a certain party to be racist where I could easily say, well, are progressives Nazis? Uh, you're bouncing around. You're looking for an excuse, Simon. I'm not sure I follow you. We're going to continue a conversation with you at some other point in time. I'm going to see what Laura in East Tampa has to say. Go ahead, Laura. You're talking about the Jacksonville shooting, too. Go ahead. Hello. Emilio's Laura Rodriguez. Hey, Laura. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually from Jacksonville, and mm. I went to high school about five minutes away from the sh- where the shooting occurred. And um, it's in an area of North Tampa, um, or North Jacksonville, and it's referred to as uh, Durkeyville. Durkeyville to Tampa, or to Jacksonville, is what East Tampa is to um, Tampa. It's where the majority of black residents live. It's majority suburbs. It has a food desert. Um, majority poor individuals. This person didn't even live in Jacksonville. They lived in Clay County, and they drove all the way to a historically black university with, <laughs> um, with Nazi symbols, with the swastika painted on his gun, with the manifesto. Mm-hmm. This is clearly racism. It's clearly white supremacy. Simon has absolutely no idea what the uh, <laughs> what he's talking about. Grassing out straws. Um, thankfully, um, my aunt is okay. My my the fam or the friends that I went to high school with, their family's okay. But there are three families who are not okay this evening. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's really horrific. And uh, I understand that there's a hurricane warning uh, coming, but there's as of right now, there's not any evacuation warning. Um, so I just wanted to let folks know that there is actually a vigil and solidarity action yes. uh, that's going to happen tonight um, at 6 p.m. at uh, Salicines Park, and that's at 1705 North Howard Avenue. Um, if you want to attend and show your solidarity to the city of Jacksonville, mm-hmm. um, who has booed Ron DeSantis at their uh, at the city uh, vigil yesterday, there's going to be a community gla- grassroots-led vigil tonight. Um, which is definitely going to have a far better attendance and a far better message. Um, But we all know that everything that Ron DeSantis has been spewing, uh, and we've always said that that it's going to lead like action to to actions like this, to racial killings like this. Um, And now more people are going to be emboldened. We have to stand as a community to stand united against it. Right. That's right. Make the races scared again afraid again because you know they they just out of hand right now and people trying to make excuses for them doesn't help so again the vigil is where tonight um it's at 1705 north howard avenue okay six o'clock tonight 6 p.m okay yep. thank you laura for that mm-hmm. and uh bye-bye bye-bye your city of jacksonville is we got to talk more about that. Go ahead, Steve. You're on Community Speaks here on WNF. Go ahead. You say what, Steve? Uh, 
one second. Let me turn down my radio. Uh, I just want to say you have a great show. I listen to you on Sunday mornings, um, and it's just Thank great you. that you've got something in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. Thank you. Can you still hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Uh, yeah, real short, because I'm trying to get gas like everybody else. Mm. Number one, seems to me, um, the, you know, the insistence on, you know, for example, with the Confederate monuments, the insistence that it's simply a commemoration of other things rather than a celebration of slavery, you know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't pass the logic mm -hmm. test. Right. And the other thing is, I've listened to you for years. You've earned your stripes. When somebody crazy calls, say thank you very much for the comment and hang up on them. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, Steve. And uh, I remember that. This is Community Speaks. My name is Patrick Mobili. We're talking about racism, but also people are getting gas for the storm. And Florida officials are warning drivers of potentially widespread fuel contamination impacting gas stations across the state's west coast. As residents brace for tropical storm Idalia, expected landfall later this week. Uh, this was a Sunday alert yesterday. The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services said that gas purchased after 10 a.m. Saturday at impacted Sitco supplied stations had a strong likelihood of being contaminated with diesel fuel. Sitco uh, later identified 29 affected stations. The, the contamination was caused by human error, the department said, and the contaminated gasoline in diesel can lead to engine damage or cause cars to not function properly and especially as Idalia nears the state some worry about drivers becoming stranded and that's got to be the last thing you need to be on these highways stranded as a storm is approaching uh, but just be warned be very warned maybe you should just stay away from Sitco supplied stations the port of Tampa contamination is happening right on the eve of the storm and if the, the the consumers fill up at any of these stations, probably don't want to drive their cars after that. Forecasters said they expected Adela to become a hurricane tomorrow in the Gulf of Mexico and then curve northeast toward Florida's Gulf Coast. And so we're keeping a close, close watch on that, but be very careful with the gas as we're struggling getting out there and trying to get prepared and to prepare ourselves. 813-239-9663. And as I said, we've been talking about the continuation of having to refight old battles because racists have decided to uh, take a stand and use the power of their offices to continue to spew racist rhetoric in this country. And when something happens, they want to hide their hands, hide the, the idea that they have contributed to all of this. And, yeah, a guy can be crazy, but he's still able to buy a long gun. He was still able to get out there and use those guns by targeting people based on their race in a public place, uh, in a place where people are just going about their business. 813-239-9663. This is your time to talk. And uh, we heard Jamal, Reverend Jamal Bryan speak at the uh, March on Washington this past week where he calls out a bunch of these 
backwards Republicans, as well as the Pope calling out backwardness in conservatism in this country. Uh, and uh, we're also watching events abroad as well. We've seen the uh, vote in Zimbabwe is being called one of the mass rigging event. It was probably the biggest rigged vote of all time in Zimbabwe and since the the same old party who's been in power for 42 years back into power. But these, we, we we're finding that, especially the South Africa Election Commission is finding that this was rigging on a grand scale. So we're going to keep our minds on Africa as we continue to talk about all of these issues that we're engaging in. Uh, you can also write me, DJ, at WNF.org, Jacksonville Shooter. Uh, Glenn Winters wrote about the Jacksonville Shooter. He said he has admitted racist, and that's the end of the story. Uh, the governor, Ryan DeSantis, showing up there was just a PR session, and they should have booed him off the stage. Channing slavery was not vocational school. Rosa Parks was not a fool. Seeing him on stage made this emailer very uncomfortable. He has the the nerve to send out a mass campaign text during the wonderful speech that was played here. Uh, the fact of the matter is, too, he says, the governor says he's suspending his presidential campaign, you know, because a hurricane is threatening Florida. But if we remember Hurricane Ian, he walked around in the affected sites full of campaign regalia all over his body. You know, he's wearing the campaign jacket so he's still going to be campaigning underhandedly i'm pretty sure with it uh 813-239-9663 is the number to call i want to hear from you as we talk about racism the march on washington the fact that we're going to continue to have to refight these old issues and the political rhetoric leading to racist violence in this country i'm going back to the telephone line to talk to janine of st pete go ahead janine you say Hi what? Mm-hmm. Hi. I just had to call in and tell you I just find the way that you operate and how you speak to people is just masterful. <laughs> your, your expression of nonviolence is an example to everyone, and I just thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Janine, for that vote of confidence. Thank you from St. Pete. All and right, have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Christina, also from St. Pete, you also have to want to weigh in on the Jacksonville shooter. Go ahead, Christina. Good morning, and, and thank you for your show. Um, mm-hmm. I've called in a few times on your Sunday show, which I also love, and I'm so glad you're doing this as well. Thank you. I just wanted to um, say, you know, another caller, I only caught part of the show, so I'm not sure who she was, but she had mentioned um, the connection, right, the possible connection to these awful racist policies that and bills that DeSantis has passed mm-hmm. and the connection to the Jacksonville shooting. And, you know, I kind of liken this to Trump, you know, um, all of the anti-government extremists and racists and what have you, they were always there hiding in the shadows. Some of some weren't hiding, but many were hiding in the shadows and, and Trump's presidency really, we were, we, we, <laughs> It was proven that they just all came out waving their flags. Um, he really gave them license 
to just become violent, aggressive, and what have you. And I, I feel like there is a parallel here, and it's very scary and very sad. Um, I, I'm so upset that this happened. I don't want to talk about it too much because I'll cry, but... Um, it's I just, okay. You know, my fear, my fear in my belly was always there, that when DeSantis was passing these horrible, horrible bills, that same thing would happen and violence would occur. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those of us that don't believe in him, that don't agree with him, we really need to fight back, of course, in a peaceful manner with peaceful protests. Um, and a movement really needs to happen in the state to save lives because I just feel like if we don't act quickly um, and, and we don't talk about the white elephant literally in the room, yeah. that this could happen again. And I pray it doesn't. But, but a movement really needs to begin. Um, you know, similar perhaps to the BLM movement of that power and persistence and of course peacefully, but it, it, it needs to occur. Um, and I really feel that way in my gut. Yeah. And I mean, I feel you and it just seems that there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there, there's tone deafness from those who are in power who can do something, but they just refuse because they're, <laughs> they're being lobbied hard by, for instance, the gun lobby, you know, that makes it impossible to do anything. But, yeah, I definitely think there needs to be, I just don't know what it will take to get people riled up. I know. I know. And, um, you know, I'm a single mom. I would go out there and start organizing and mobilizing if I could. I have the time to attend every protest that someone else organizes. But, unfortunately, I can't organize them myself. But I'm, I'm right there ready to attend should this movement begin. Um, and, of course, the other side is going to say, you know, because they're, they're renowned for political and emotional gaslighting. They're going to say you're using a tragedy to further your own political motives. And we have to prepare ourselves for those responses because that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're tired of tragedies. We're tired of them, especially yeah, their rhetoric, creating these tragedies. Exactly. It's about saving lives. Exactly. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for your show. And I just wanted to share that. But thank you, Christina. I think you said it best. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. You too. And there will be a, a vigil tonight again at six o'clock tonight. So uh, see if you can. That's just there are many ways to struggle. There are many ways to fight. There are many ways to speak up and speak out. And um, I think that you know we we've got a long history of of theatrical protests. So there are a lot of ways you could you could you could register a protest even. Uh, if you are an actor on a stage, you know, the stage play or any, anywhere you work, anywhere you, you have a voice or a platform, use it. Uh, but again, there will be a vigil uniting against white supremacy uh, tonight at 1705 North Howard Avenue. That may be one place you can be with like-minded people to stand up and stand against what is happening because this is... This is political, and there are people who are trying to build and accumulate political power uh, by getting uh, the the racist base back. Uh, if you love again. classic soul, R and B, Caribbean, gospel, hip hop, or house music, and if you love podcasting and exclusive interviews. If you love urban culture and urban music, then you will really love the Urban Cafe channel. 
You can find it here on HD2 if you have an HD2 radio. Or you can go to WMNF.org and download our mobile app so that you can listen to it all the time. You are tuned to Community Speaks right now. My name is Patrick Mobile. I also want to announce that tomorrow on Sean Canan's show, uh, the uh, Adelia is going to be the subject matter. Adelia is the hurricane bearing down on Florida. Uh, Sean will get a live update with a meteorologist from the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. And we'll hear about how gun laws in the United States are fueling deadly hate crimes like the one in Jacksonville. That's coming up Tuesday at 10 in the morning on WMNF. Right now, we're here on Community Speaks. And we're talking about similar issues. So I'm going to go to Gary in Clearwater. And we're going to talk about racism as we continue our conversation here on Community Speaks. Go ahead, Gary. You say what? Yeah, uh, good afternoon. Hey. Um, yeah, I, some of what I'm thinking about might have already been discussed because I just got in in the car and started hearing the conversation. But the, yeah, the problem with this young man is not unique. You know, there's there is a tremendous amount of racism in this country, but there's also a lot of mental illness. This young man obviously is mentally disturbed, but there are a lot of white people I talk to, and I'm a white man who deals with people who have disabilities, both mental, mental and physical. And it's amazing how many people I talk to who think that they're being disadvantaged because of minorities or because of immigrants or some other party who's getting something that they're not getting or somehow taking away from them and not contributing to society like they should. So... You know, even if we didn't have Donald Trump and some of these other uh, demagogues that we have in the Republican Party right now that are stirring a lot of this up, this has been simmering in this country for years. I mean, if you look at what happened after President Obama got elected, I was excited about that. I thought, thank God we were, we're finally making progress. All it did was really stir up the racist that much more. Mm-hmm. And... The, uh, you know, you've been talking about, some people have been talking about, well, we need to demonstrate, we need to, to really organize and that sort of thing. Uh, movements like Black Lives Matter basically stir up the black, uh, stir up the, uh, the racist even more. You know, anything that you do for progress toward people who need help or need protection or need equal access seems to uh, just aggravate these idiots that much more. And there's not a whole lot you can do uh, to to, uh, educate them because they don't want to listen to the facts. They don't want to listen to the reason that, hey, you know, know, black people are not being treated any differently than you. They're just given their fair share. They don't seem to understand that, and and it's, it's... that's because they don't want to. Yeah, and unfortunately, an awful lot of them are, are just, you know, violent, ignorant people. And there's not much that I think we can do about it. Right. I mean, because if they're enemies of progress, that doesn't mean we should stop progress. No, it doesn't mean that at all. I mean, I need, we, you know, we need to keep pushing forward. Everybody needs to have, you know, 
uh, fair treatment, equal access to uh, to services and, and things that they need to to, uh, to go forward. But you know, it, it just you know, I'm an old man, and it, it just you know, I grew up in the '60s. I graduated in ninth, uh, from high school in 1968, which was a terrible year. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the loss of uh, Dr. King and, and, mm-hmm. and Kennedy and and all the all the violence that took place in 1968, but I, I had hoped that since the, those years we would have uh, made progress, but I don't think we have. Well, we made uh, some. Yeah. It's just there are those who want to roll the clock backwards, and you know I think right. they're the ones that's going to be on the losing side. They're just having the a heyday is, right now. The problem is when you look at the percentage of people say who still support Trump, no matter what. That's a very substantial portion of our national population, and those are the people we need to really worry about. Because, like I say, even if Trump loses, those people are still there, and they're still they're still resisting the ability uh, of this country to move forward and get past all of this. And uh, it just it's just really sad. Yeah, they're gonna have to move on as well from Trump because eventually, he's gonna—he's only human. He's not gonna be here uh, alive forever. So, no, but don't find he's their excuse. They're another demagogue, and that's the reason why we always have to be here. One of the things that the Reverend Jamal Bryant said that struck me was that he doesn't want to come back sixty years from now fighting these same battles. Hey, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary, for calling. I'm out of time. I got that's my time. I got to get on out and make room for the music. It's the music is coming uh, your way next hour with Blandy Whalen, and we're gonna uh, be back next week, of course, for more Community Speaks. That's me talking with you about all the things that are happening around us that we have to do. So far, so uh, thank you for tuning in this week and. Uh, it was all great, and uh, we'll be back, of course, next week. Uh, and stay tuned for It's the Music here after uh, headline news from National Public Radio. This is WMNF Tampa.